welcome everyone at every single one of our locations in Binghamton, Cortland, and Corning, and then everyone join us online. Can we put our hands together and make everybody feel welcome, make them feel loved? It's so good to be able to be with you right now. Well, my name is Will. I'm the lead pastor here, and I want to take a moment. I want you to hear this, that I love you. I've been praying for you, and I'm believing that God's going to do something good in your life right now. In fact, I want you to turn to your neighbor, tell him it's about to be a good day. Come on now, it's going to be a good day. We've been in this series entitled Transformation. It's going to be a really good day. If your spouse would just change a little bit more and make your life so much better, it's not about you changing, it's about them changing. If everybody around me would change, then I'd be all right. I don't need to change, it's the problem is everyone else around me. Well, we know that's not true. We know the problem if is all, almost always God doesn't want to change the people around us. He wants to use the people around us to change us. That God wants to do something in me before he does something through me. And we're trying to surrender to that. And this whole series of, about transformation is about how we've organized the church. For, like, why do we do the things that we do as a church it's, it's around this one word, transformation. Because we set our mission statement. I want everybody, they're going to pull this up on the screen. I want everyone to say this together. We exist to transform the world by leading people to Jesus. We believe it that when we meet with Jesus, we're going to be changed. And when we're changed, we're going to change the world around us. We believe that the church is the hope of the world. We believe that when the church goes somewhere, that's us, it's how we live, it's how we function every day, that wherever we go, whatever we do, we're a life-giving presence. And that we would be missed if we were no longer in a community. So we, we can't help but be transformed when we come into the presence of Jesus. But what we've been talking about in this series is that we see as people gather in churches, some churches are more effective at seeing transformation than others. And the reason for that is because we teach that the environment or the soil that the gospel is planted in matters. That the, re the gospel is the same. The gospel is powerful wherever it goes. That every church that teaches the gospel. There are some churches that don't teach the gospel. In fact, we might argue that they're not a church at all. But where you have a gathering of true believers where the gospel, the truth that Jesus Christ alone saves, and he saves us by his redemptive work on the cross, and that if you believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. You'll be forgiven of all your sins. You'll be cleansed from all your unrighteousness, and you'll be born again. Now what happens is there's a growth process that takes place. That there's a work that God does in every one of us that it's not by man's effort or desire. God is willing that we be saved. But once we're saved, there is this process that we have to partner with God in. That we have to actively yield ourselves and repent. And so what happens the Bible talks about the soil that the seed is planted in as our hearts. And, and it says it like this in Mark chapter 4, verse 28, that all by itself, the soil produces grain. So there's this 
illustration, there's some soil that's rocky soil that if I take my seed, I have, I have my seeds here today. This is a wildflower mix. We're going to grow some wildflowers. Now, the problem is if I have this soil here and, and I try to put this seed in this pot, this pot's like rocky soil. Like it's trampled down hard. There's what kind of growth is going to happen for that seed? Come on, everybody. What kind of growth is going to happen for that seed? None. Right? It's going to need something in order for it to grow. So, so the Bible says, well, you need good soil. All right, so, so we're going to put this amazing seed starting potting mix together in here. It's really well fertilized. It's not hard at all. That's super soft soil. And so now we have the soil. What has to happen now? The Bible says that this seed has to go into the, into the soil. And there's another analogy. You're not going to be able to see these seeds. They're so tiny, but I'm, I'm going to put them down in there. I'm just going to put it all in. There we go. And now just trust that there's seeds that went in there. Now, now, I probably need to cover those seeds, right? I need to put soil over the top of them, and that's because the Bible says that unless a seed die. So that in one parable, the seed is the gospel. But in another parable, the seed is our lives. That actually we are supposed to die. That there's some things that have to happen in us. we got to die to some things. That the gospel itself is powerful, but unless we decide, I'm going to actively die. I like one pastor said one time, the problem with a living sacrifice, it's always trying to get off the altar. That, that there is this, this thing that's inside of us that says, man, I want to get up out of here. I don't want to do this. I don't want to die. How many associate with what I'm talking about? You know, like, holy smokes, that doesn't sound very fun. But it is only until this seed goes un into the dark place, it has to be covered. But once it's there and it dies, it ha now has the ability to germinate. What went in was a seed. What's going to come out, what do we say? It's going to be wildflowers. A seed transforms. And it's going to grow, but it's going to grow based off some other conditions. So what else does that seed need now? It's got the soil. It's going to need water. I hope this doesn't run all over everything. It's got the water. What else is going to help it to grow? Sunlight. What else is going to help it to grow? Come on, everybody. Miracle grow. This is, this is like made in, in Liverpool, New York, right up here in Syracuse. This is some gardener up there discovered how to make miracle grow. Now, this is probably way too much miracle grow, but, man, that's going to grow. That is going to happen, right? Like, that is going to make it grow. Now, now here's the thing. It's going to grow probably without the miracle grow. It would grow to a degree. It would grow to a degree with just a little tiny bit of soil. It would grow to a degree with just a little tiny bit of water. It would grow to a degree with just a little tiny bit of sun. But what's really going to make it grow is when it has all of those things working together. And now on your notes, if you don't have them, the usher's going to come. They're going to make sure to give them out to everybody. This is why we've organized the church the way we have. 
Because we create life-giving environments. And these environments are like fertilizer to our soul. And, and every one of us, if you'll get into each of these environments, it's going to help you to grow more effectively. That the transformation that God wants to complete in your life doesn't happen without all of these external factors that we have to actively add to soften our hearts, to put our hearts in places that will allow our, our transformation in Christ to take place. And so number one, you need a personal environment. This is your Bible study time. This is your prayer time. This is your giving time. These are some of the things that God says, this is between you and me. You're going to have a personal relationship with me. You're going to talk to me. You're going to walk with me. You're going to follow me. Though none go with me, still I will what? Still I will follow. Then you need a small group environment. There's some things that you cannot get by yourself. You need to have a community of people that are around you. And the Bible says that the devil comes like a lion seeking whom he may devour, and he's looking for the ones that are sick, that are isolated, and that are all, all kind of lagging behind, not gathered together with the herd. And so what a small group does, it helps us to get healthy. A small group, we protect each other, we help each other grow, we help each other pick each other up, and then we get in and we're able to be transparent. We're able to have real community in that small group environment. And then number three, last week we talked about the large group environment. That the book of Acts, they met together in the house church setting and in the mega church setting on a weekly basis. And at Two Rivers Church, we do the large group environment in a very specific way. And we're going to walk through some of that again today because today we're talking about number four, a serving environment. A serving environment. And then the last one we're going to talk about next week is a charismatic environment. It means a gifted environment, a charismatic environment. So today let's talk about the serving environment. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 say like this, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves. Like God births faith in us. Faith is a God-birthed reality of a pre-existent condition. That actually when you called on Jesus, the Holy Spirit was already active in your life, allowing you to call on Jesus. That God birthed faith in you. That's the gift of God. And what does it say? Everybody together, not by works, so that no one can boast. Salvation is God's gift to us, that whoever would call on his name, that God, he sees you and he knows you, and from the beginning of time, he knows who is going to respond to the free offer of grace. And those who are willing to respond to that offer, God is going to put faith in their heart, and he is going to cause them to call on him. Then it says in verse 10, now, we are saved. This is what it says in 8 and 9. We're saved by grace, not by work. But once we're saved, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. He's doing something in us. He's handcrafting us, creating in Christ Jesus. Everybody say this part together. To do good works. 
this is amazing, God prepared in advance for us to do. So we are made by God to serve. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a purpose. Tell your neighbor, you have a purpose that God has a purpose for your life. That here's what it is. Every one of us, every single one of us, we are one body. The Bible says that in, in every member is a minister. Go ahead and fill that in on your sheets. Every single member is a minister. We're one body. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. That you and I, we are part of one body. There's many parts, but every single member is a minister. What we're saying when we say that is we can't do this alone. We're called to work together. When we're talking about a serving environment, there's no person that serves on an island in the body of Christ. There's no person that says, I don't need the church to serve. I can just go to my workplace and I can serve the Lord and I don't need the rest of the believers to do the thing that I'm called to do in my workplace. There's certainly an expression of our faith that is that in our workplace. There's certainly an expression of that that is that of our faith in our home. There's certainly an expression of that individually for every person. But the way we read it, when we read the word of God, we read that we are not called to serve individually. That we are called as members of the body, that every one of us has a purpose, that we can't do this individually, so we, all of us, if we're one body, we have one goal. What do we say at Two Rivers around this? Teamwork makes the dream work. Go ahead and fill that in. Number two, teamwork makes the dream work. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21 says it like this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Now look around the room. And there's something that you need in this room from somebody else. And if you're withholding your gift and you're not serving, then you're saying, you don't need me. So what we're really saying is that every member is a minister, that there's something about you that I can't be who God's called me to be until you're doing what God's designed you to do. So even though each one of us, we all have different gifts, like you don't need to be like me. I don't need to be like you. you we are uniquely fashioned, each one of us, to serve. That God actually created us for this. Now, the way I think about this is oftentimes in churches, when you get a bunch of people together, the pastor will oftentimes say, okay, guys, now we're going to do evangelism. And I want to tell you how easy evangelism is. Like my dad. My dad has an evangelism gift. One time we were driving on the highway and, and the traffic stopped. My dad got out of the car. Now dads can embarrass you like no one else. 
right? And I'm terribly embarrassed by this moment. My dad is getting out of the car. He walks up to the tractor trailer in front of us. And I'm like, Dad, we're on the highway. What are you doing? Get back in the car. And I'm getting upset. I'm here planting a church. And you're walking around on the highway. Come on, Dad. Get with the program. Dad then gets into the tractor trailer with this guy. Now I'm fuming. This is out of control. I can't believe my dad got in a tractor trailer with some other. What is he doing? So embarrassing. I'm ready to berate my father when he comes back. Dad, you're holding up all the traffic. You're ruining things. He comes back from the tractor trailer. Traffic starts moving. And I'm getting ready to give him an earful. And my dad says, I just led that man in the tractor trailer to Jesus. And I shut my mouth. I said, how in the world? Like, first of all, I'm never getting out of my car on the highway. Why would I ever do that? And then number two, why would you get into the tractor trailer with this guy? And then what makes you think that you you could lead this guy to Jesus in a span of 60 seconds? But he's got a gift. So when my dad teaches about evangelism, you know what he tells you to do? He says, you just walk up to people and you tell them about Jesus. And then they get saved. And when I walk up to people and I tell them about Jesus, I get laughed at. Right? There's a different flow to how I lead people to Jesus. I work on it and I work on it and I work on it. And then what I want to do is I want to invite them to church because we're going to all do it together. Teamwork makes the dream work. So what happens is when we get everybody functioning in their gifts, where they fit and where they belong, you know where my dad is oftentimes on Sunday? He's over by the Fresh Start banner. He can't wait till the people who slip their hands up walk over there and he gets on them like white on rice, boy. He is going to lead them. He's going to teach them. He's going to get them a Bible study. He's got them now. Woo, let's go. He's jazz, he is jazzed up about that. And I know some of y'all right now, there's no way you're going to ever walk anywhere near the Fresh Start banner. That is not your goal. That's not your flow. But you can sing. You can serve. You, got, you are a 10 in some area of your life. You're, you're who God created you to be, and God created you to do good works that were prepared in advance for you to do. So serve the way God made you. you got to discover your unique design. And the way we do that is we do that at Next Steps, and we go into something called a plug-in party. It happens every other Sunday, some locations. They do it right after church. In Binghamton, we do it at 7 o'clock. And what we do is we help you to discover your unique design and how God gifted you. And then we help you to find your best fit in the body. Because we can't do all that God's called us to do until you do all that God has designed you to do. We're one body. We need each other. That Binghamton needs you. That Cortland needs you. That Corning needs you. This thing's not going to get done on its own. So what are we working together to do? If we're one body, that means we have one purpose. We have one goal together. This is what it said, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. I love this verse. Jesus told his disciples, he said, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'm going to send you out to fish for what? Everybody together to fish for people. So at Two Rivers, we are a fishing boat, not a cruise ship. We're a fishing boat, not a cruise ship. 
Here's how a lot of people view church together. They say, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to hire a bunch of people. We're going to get them all in the room, and then we're going to have them serve us. And, and it's going to be really clean. It's going to be really nice. That's the cruise ship church mentality. But one of the things that we do at Two Rivers on our Sunday experience, we're creating life-giving environments where the lost can be found. That actually on a fishing boat, everybody is working all the time. So number four, we create life-giving environments where the lost can be found. The Northeast is the most unchurched region in America. There's one state that you could argue has a higher percentage of the population that's unchurched. There's only one in America that has a higher percentage of the population than New York, and that's Massachusetts. New York State and Massachusetts, the Northeast, is the epicenter of the most unchurched people in America. Some parts of America, they're viewing church the place where I go to get fed. They view church like that cruise ship. There, there's a few people here taking care of us. But in the Northeast, we have to, we can never view church as a cruise ship. We're compelled by love for our lost neighbors to function together as a fishing boat. I love it. I don't know if there's anybody ever watched Deadliest Catch, any of those television shows about the fishing ships out on the sea. And could you imagine going on to Deadliest Catch where they're fishing in Alaska and in, in the, the waves are going all about and they're trying to pull up the crab traps and all the things that they're doing. And there's somebody out there with shorts and a T-shirt trying to put suntan lotion on, kind of laying out in the middle of the deck. Like, what are you guys doing? I'm pretty sure the captain's going to throw that person off the ship. Like, get out my way. Here's what Jesus said. He said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. We have a goal. We have a purpose as a church that we don't just serve individually. We serve corporately together. And we do that in order to save the lost. So number five, the church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. We are the church, and we exist for the world. So every Sunday, we work together to create the life-giving environment where we do five things. We talked about these last week. We're going to create an environment where there's celebration. You know what that means? Even if you're not actively on a team, like you're going to attend one and serve one, that's what we do at Two Rivers. Like when you have multiple service times, you can attend one and you can serve one. So you come, and the time when you're attending one, you're still doing a couple of things. Like during worship time, we're, sit, we're clapping our hands, we're singing, we're making it alive because it's like really fun to be in the room. So like this Easter, we're going to clap. We're going to get like, we're going to sing the songs out like we actually mean it. Because we probably ought to. Right? We probably ought to actively create this environment that's fun to be in. There should be some celebration. Then there's inspiration. Like I'm going to connect with Jesus in a way that it's changing my life, that people are going to say, man, God is truly among you. I'm going to go around the altars and I'm going to try to connect with God and I'm going to go 
put something on the cross and I'm going to light a candle. I'm going to actively create this. And that's the third one is we're going to have participation. That I don't sit like a bump on a log. I'm going to make sure that I'm talking to people. I'm going to make sure I'm writing down notes. I'm going to make sure I'm shouting amen to pastor. Man, he's such a good preacher. Come on, preacher. Preach, preacher. Amen. Let's go, preacher. Tell the truth. Shun the devil. I got to have my amen corner up in here, making it fun to be in the room. And, and then the thing we're going to do is we're, I'm going to do, I'm going to make sure that we have application. That's part of our respond time. That we, every one of us, what we do now matters when we go up out of here and how I live this out in my actual life. And then the last one is salvation. Our promise to you at Two Rivers, that every one of us, we're all working together to create these life-giving environments on a Sunday where there's celebration, there's inspiration, there's participation, there's application. But at the end of every time when we gather together, we make a promise that we're going to give you the chance to raise your hand with every head bowed and every eye closed. We're not going to embarrass your friends. That they have the ability to call on Jesus and make them their Lord and Savior. We want to make it easy on people to do that. And the Bible says don't make it hard on the Gentiles to come to Christ. Like Make it easy for people to come to Jesus. And we do that every single week because there's somebody that's going to be in the room every week who doesn't know Christ. So what's our job together? Our job is to create these life-giving environments. So we go to next steps. We go do the plug-in party. Then we show up the next week and we start serving. We start pulling on the oars. We start doing our part to fish so that the lost people can come to know Jesus. The way we say this is we say that we're a Luke chapter 15 church. This is our goal. This is how we serve together. So it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. I love this. This is already a messy room. Like on the cruise ship, this is not happening because the tax collectors and the sinners are the people we don't want to be around. They're putting dirt on the walls. They're smelling the thing up. And, and Lord, why are you hanging out with the tax collectors and the sinners? That's actually what the Pharisees say. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You know this phrase that he's eating with these sinners actually means that he's like friends with them? That he's actually in fellowship with them. So there's this idea, come out from among the world and be ye separate. Certainly that's true. Certainly we do not want to be sinners. And it, it is true, you have to be careful about your friends. Because as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. But what we do is we gather together, we're going to put them into our context, y'all. We're going to put them into our environment. Whoever's doing the inviting is doing the leading. We invite the sinners. We invite the lost. We invite the tax collectors, the, the traitors, and the people that don't vote the way you vote and don't think the way you think and don't smell the way you smell. We invite them into this place so that they could hang out with Jesus. And so here's what Jesus then tells them the story about this. He told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. 
Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. Like, he wants to start a party. He's going to have some celebration. Why? Not because there's 99 sheep in the pen safe and sound. He's starting a party because there was a lost sheep that was found. And, and here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 15, verse 7. He says, I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. I know that's hard to get our minds around. Like, like what Jesus is teaching is that we need to pursue the lost. But which one's the lost sheep? It's the one who doesn't know Jesus. The 99, they're loved, yes. But the good shepherd left them behind because they were saved. They were already in the sheep pen. And this is a challenging verse to so many of us to get out of our comfort zone. Like we got to get out of our place of safety. It is safe in the 99. It is safe with my schedule. It is safe doing my things my way. But the reason why we serve is because we love God and we love people. Bottom line, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And here's what the father is looking at with his children. So many of us, we treat lost people, we drive around, we do what we're doing with indifference. Like I go to church because I'm there to get fed. I go to church because that church is going to teach me the word and I'm going to get deep and I'm going to have all, but never ever do you serve. Never ever do we get activated pulling on the oars to help lead lost people to come home. I'll give you the context for this, because when you have a, a child that you love, if you have, let's say you have, like in my instance, I have three children, and I go somewhere, one of my children wanders off, in that moment, I don't say, well, I got two more, <laughs> right? Because the moment you lose a child, that's all you can think about. This actually happened to me. I was in Springfield, Missouri, visiting my friends, Pastor Ted and Robin Cedarblom at Life360 Church. And they took us to this place called Wonders of Wildlife. It's at the Bass Pro shop there in Springfield, Missouri. And it's this massive museum. And I'm the guy that likes to read every plaque. Like, I read it all. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to take my time. I'm going to read every little thing in the museum. And so my family is way ahead, and Ted and Robin are way ahead. But I'm thinking, you know what? There's three adults and three kids. What could go wrong? I'm going to read my stuff. I was self-interested. I was doing my own thing. So we get to the end, and there's this, there's this one room, and it's an aquarium area, and it has, like, this, this graphics board where the kids can touch the screen and draw on it and create fish and then the fish come to life and begin to swim around. It's really, really cool. So all the kids are doing that and we decided, and it's kind of dark in that room. It has to be dark for all that to take place. 
And the kids are walking around. There's a, a place where they can stick their hands in the water and they touch the stingrays that go by. And, and there's all of this stuff going on in this one room. Well, we decide it's time to go. We go out. We go into the gift shop. And we're walking around, talking in the gift shop. And there's Pastor Ted. And there's Robin. And there's Crystal. And there's Naomi. And there's Natalie. And there's me. And we're just wandering around. And finally... My wife puts it together. She says, where's Nick? I said, well, probably Robin has him. Robin doesn't have him. Pastor Ted doesn't have him. It's not with Naomi. It's not anywhere that we can find. So I start to broaden my radius. Where is Nick? I didn't think at all now about Naomi or Natalie. All I could start thinking about was where's my son? He is not in this room. So I went outside. I went out the next door. Did he go out this hallway? Did he go out this door? I went all the way out into the parking lot. I came back. I can't find my son Nick. I go to security guards. My son is lost. Help me. The security guard is just standing there like a dummy. Like my son is missing, man. Move. Help me. I'm starting to ask people, have you seen a little boy? Have you seen anybody else with a little boy? I'm going all over the place. We are turning this place over. It is huge. We go back into the other room that we were in, start searching around in there. We search all over the place. I can't find my son. And I'll tell you, in that moment, there's only one thing you want to do. You either help me or get out of my way. Help me find my son. As a father, if I didn't love Nick, I want to search for him. If I didn't love him, fine. He can go away. No big deal. I got other kids. But I love my son. I'm compelled by love to go find him. We found him. He had wandered out a different door, went all the way back to the beginning of the museum, came all the way back again to the last place he saw us. He was shaking. He was crying. Because he knew what it felt like to be lost. He knew what it felt like to not know his way. Wondering what's going to happen to me. My family's left me behind. Does anyone care? Others didn't have my urgency because they didn't have my love. We serve because we love God and we love people. We live in an environment where there's more lost people than ever before. And so I want to invite you to serve. I want to invite you to change your lifestyle around what the urgency is. I know Sundays can be difficult. I know there could be other things that we could be doing. I know that there could be other priorities that are taking place, but I'm not asking you to get outside of your gift. I'm asking you to step into the thing that God created you to do, that you were actually made for this, that God uniquely designed you for a purpose, that there's somebody who's going to come to know Jesus because you serve, that there's someone's son or someone's daughter who right now they're praying for them, and there's no way those kids are going to ever go to that church because it's not designed as a fishing boat. 
They're a cruise ship and they don't even know it, but they're praying. And they're praying and they're saying, God, I got a child who won't come to church here, but maybe, just maybe, somebody can reach them somewhere. And so we're going to invite people. We're going to invite them every single week. We're going to invite them into life-giving environments. And we're going to serve and we're going to give our absolute best. We're going to create these life-giving environments. And we're going to share Jesus. And we're going to we're going to put all of our politics to the side and we're going to put all of our all these other issues that don't matter. Like there's only the thing that matters. Jesus is so concerned about I want to find my lost sheep. So let's do our absolute best. And you know what's so crazy is when I go ahead and I start doing the thing that I was created to do and I start putting God's problems first. I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The Bible says he's going to take care of all of all my other worries, all of my other concerns, that I have to reorient my life around this idea of serving. i got to reorient my idea, my life around this idea that I'm going to reach the lost. God says, if you'll die, if you'll go ahead and die, then you're truly going to live. And I'm going to give you life. I'm going to give it to you more abundantly. What seems like it could be an inconvenience becomes the path to our greatest satisfaction. There's so much joy. There's so much peace. There's so much life. And as we're doing that, the Bible says as we decrease, as we become servants, what happens is we'll truly live. We're going to be transformed. And we're going to become more like Jesus. Bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. Jesus, I pray right now that every lost person would come home. I pray that every one of us would experience the life that you bring, the transformation that comes from you. God, I pray that you would stir us and convict us to reorient our priorities around you, around your mission. God, it's not enough for me to just kind of on my own serve, but that it takes a body of believers. It takes everybody working together, that each part has to get organized and has to function. And as we do that, we're going to see more people come to you than ever before. And it's going to do something in us. It's going to change us. We're going to find satisfaction and purpose. I pray your blessing on every one of us as we obey you and we reorient our lives around you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what a great message from Pastor Will. You know, when Will and I moved here almost 10 years ago now, we made a promise to ourselves and the Lord that we would never end any service without giving the opportunity for those who are listening, who are participating, to make Jesus the Lord of their life. It was a decision that I made as a young girl, and it was the best decision I have ever made in my life. And if that's you, if you were sitting there listening to the message, feeling moved, feeling like you are ready to take your next step on your faith journey, then I'd love for you to pray this prayer with me. Can we, wherever you're listening, whatever location you're at, can we all bow our heads together and pray this simple prayer? Let's go ahead, bow our heads, close our eyes. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. I know I'm a sinner. I pray that you would forgive me 
that you would come into my heart and cleanse me of my sins, wash me clean. I believe that you died on the cross so many years ago and rose again for me. I pray that you would come into my life right now, make me a new creation. I surrender to you. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. Church, can you put little clappy hands in the comments below to let um, all of those who prayed this prayer know that we are so excited, that we're rejoicing with you. We are welcoming you to the family of God. You have a church now. You can come back online, keep coming every Sunday, and you are more than welcome to join us at any of our locations in person. We're gonna make you feel right at home. And if you also accepted that prayer today, or if you said that prayer today, then we'd love for you to click on the link below. Let us know that you said that prayer so we can connect with you and give you some resources. Church, I hope you have a blessed week and we'll see you next week.